Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital bookish resource and hangout spot for readers. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, that means you, Insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair up hosts from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 102, and we are recording on Sunday, May 16th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. Hi, Katie. How are you? I am good. It is, we're new recording time on the weekends now, so I'm like awake, <laughs> and <laughs> it, there's daylight outside my window. I've just eaten lunch. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Disorienting for sure. <laughs> yes, it's different, but I think I think I'll like this. Hopefully my brain will be a little bit more active for for podcast <laughs> recordings than doing it in the evening like we like we had been before. So, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm good, same as you. I feel I'm out in California, so it's 11 a.m. over here. We just had breakfast a while ago. You're all refreshed and I'm excited to you know, jump in. So I'm excited that we've, you know, tackled it on the weekend. We're tackling it on the weekend going forward. And then also this weekend, also the Eid weekend. So Eid Mubarak to Muslims everywhere, anyone who's celebrating. So the Eid actually fell on Thursday, but we were all at work. So we couldn't really do anything. So then yesterday was a day full of like meeting with friends and just eating tons and tons of food. <laughs> so it was good. It's been a good refreshing weekend. And it's we've, we're all very, very close to being completely vaccinated. So it's fun to sort of feel comfortable with your friends again, you know, and to like, because Eid is very much about, you know, hugging each other, wishing each other Eid Mubarak, being in like close proximity. And we weren't able to do that last year. And it was a very nice change to be able to do that this year, like, you know, to a certain extent. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that sounds delightful. Yeah, I'm fully vaccinated. It's been more than two weeks since my last or since my second dose. And yeah, I was slowly going out with friends like last weekend, I think it was my friend and I went out to brunch in a restaurant, which was the first time I had been inside a restaurant since before COVID. And it was really weird, but <laughs> it was also really refreshing yeah and like we picked our brunch spot solely well not solely based on the fact that they had breakfast cocktails but that was a big factor that was but, <laughs> sure. but yeah we we my my friend and i we had a toast to like all right 
here's here's to getting through the pandemic. So yeah. it was it was it was really nice. And it was yeah, weird to be around that many strangers and eating, you know, without a mask on. Mm-hmm. But it also didn't feel quite as weird as I had anticipated. So I so that yeah, it just it really felt good. And yeah, we just kind of wandered around for a while and you know, just went into different stores to run errands. Then we were masked. Um, <laughs> we're, you know, still masking di- diligently. But yeah, it was uh, it, it it was weird, but very welcome to start taking baby steps into the world. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I think CDC released new guidelines today, which I'm still a little bit, you know, like taking them with a grain of salt. But I was thinking like about how years from now, hopefully, we'll all be like, remember that year when we were in a pandemic and we were all at home, <laughs> and what will that feel like? I don't know. It's just like good, good energy, like feeling good over here. <laughs> yeah. I will say I have a feeling that even years from now, we're going to like reach into our coat pockets and be like, oh, hey, I've got a face mask in here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I think that's going to be like this generation's legacy, like pulling stuff. Up. <laughs> oh, hey, I found an old face mask. Remember that? Look, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So with that, you want to uh, go ahead, give us our, our first sponsor and we'll get this show on the road. Yes. So this episode is sponsored in part by The Whispering Dead by Darcy Coates, published by Sourcebooks. When Kiera walks in a strange forest, she can remember only two things. She can see ghosts and strange masquerading men are hunting her. She seeks shelter at a church and the kind pastor offers to let her stay in the groundkeeper's cottage for a few days. But the cottage is situated behind the graveyard and its spirits are only too eager to make themselves known. Kara is shocked to discover her lost memories may be woven through the town's bizarre hauntings, and soon she's thrown full tilt into a race to unravel the decades-old mystery, before it's too late. Darcy's writing style seamlessly merges the classic ghost stories seen in The Haunting of Hill House and The Deadly Mystery of Ten, classically scary and atmospheric with unforgettable characters and spooky twists. Darcy's books feature characters in their late teens to early 20s, making them a perfect fit for adults and teen readers alike. Reach for The Whispering Dead by Darcy Goats wherever books are sold. Thank you to Sourcebooks for uh, sponsoring the show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We're so excited that you have continued to join us. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and everything that falls under that umbrella. So whether that's movie adaptations or new releases or subgenres that we haven't explored or author read-alikes, anything that falls under that category is fair game. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is where we put out a call to our listeners to send us suggestions for upcoming episodes if you have them, because they really have helped us plan so many of the episodes that we've done in the past years. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. In fact, today's episode topic was from a listener submitted suggestion. So we very much do take these into consideration when planning future episodes. It's very helpful. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. 
We'll have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, but we always like to put the call out ahead of time just to get those juices flowing while you listen to the episode. And even if you don't have an idea and just want to say hi, there is nothing we enjoy more. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join our delightful little community. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into our new segments. And the first item isn't so much a new segment, but it's a really cool link and we wanted to share it. So you've heard us talk about crime the Crime Reads website and how it is just an indispensable resource for crime fans of all stripes. And they just posted their list of most anticipated crime reads for the summer of 2021. And if you've seen their previous lists in this style, you know that you are in for just an enormous list of books. It just this list just keeps going and going and going and it's separated by months. So you know when you can plan for these books to come out, but these lists are always just such an absolute treat. And there's always, even though I may think like, Oh yeah, I've got a handle on most of the books that are coming out. There's always a bunch of books on there that I had never even heard of. And I immediately need to add them to my list. Yeah, so for that's for for crime reads. I feel like their anticipated uh, book lists are some of my always my bookmarked links, just because I, they're my go to resource when I feel like I want to try something new or someone asks me for like a more later recommendation. So they are an invaluable resource. Do you, uh, Kitty? Is there any particular title that jumped out to you from that list? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, there there are so many books on this list that I already have on my reading list, but probably surprising no one, one of my <laughs> most anticipated books for the coming months is the third book in the Purveen Mystery series by Sujata Masi, which is called The Bombay Prince. And that comes out in June, I believe. I don't have an exact date for it, but... And June, June's just right around the corner, isn't yeah. it? Oh, boy. Um <laughs> I know how time works and all that fun stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so the third book is coming out in this series. If you haven't read it, and if for some reason you've managed to miss all of the episodes where Rincia and I, and now Nezra and I, have talked about Sujata Masi, well, it follows Praveen Mystery, who is based on the actual first female lawyer to practice law in India in the 1920s. And in this book, Praveen has her work cut out for her as she investigates the mysterious death of a promising young student against the backdrop of local protests and harsh lockdowns ahead of an impending visit from the British king. So it just seems like it's going to combine the mystery with the social, the sociocultural, historical elements of what was happening in India at the time. And she just does such a great job of seamlessly blending these elements together that I, I am just so excited for this book. Yeah, so as we've mentioned multiple times, we're very close to being the Sujata Masi show. But uh, that's uh, yes, there were some fantastic titles. I know you sp uh, you spoke about the other Black Girl mm -hmm. by Zakia Dalila Harris, which is another that's on my radar. And then the one that I'm really excited about, which very recently came onto my radar, is Dead Dead Girls by Nakisa Afia, and this is set in 1920s Harlem. 
And it features Louise Lloyd, and she's working two jobs, and she's just get, trying to get past her like dramatic past. But when young girls start turning up dead, and it seems like they it might they might have a connection to what she is working through from her past, she has no choice but to like help a local detective track down the killer and just go right in the center of what she's been trying to escape. So it's it sounds like the perfect mix of like historical mystery atmosphere, but also this character study and just i am super super excited for it and this also is uh, expected to be published mid june or early june so it's again right around the corner so that's dead dead girls by nikisa afia see there you go there was a book i just w- had not heard of <laughs> until you put it on my radar and now i'm going oh my gosh i need to read this book too this sounds amazing <laughs> Yep, that's uh, what these lists do to us. They are not good for our carts or our wallets. <laughs> no, and I will not apologize for anyone's TBRs after looking at this yes. list. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. All right, with that, our second news item is, uh, so Elizabeth Olsen and Elizabeth Moss are both cast to play the same axe murderer in two different adaptations of Evidence of Love. A True Story of Passion and Death in the Suburbs, written by John Bloom and Jim Atkinson. And honestly, I can't think of two more fiercer women who could have been cast for this role. And I'm super excited to see how this will how this will turn out. HBO Max is the one that has given the show series an order. So HBO Max has been coming up with such fantastic productions lately. And Elizabeth Moss is a force of her own to be reckoned with. Just her, so I don't think there is anything she has attempted that she has not excelled at. And then, of course, Elizabeth Olsen, you know, yeah. our local Wanda of it. So, you know, it's good. I'm so excited for this one. And it seems like they it's only been signed up so there's still more information to be uh, released about when it's expected to come out but i am going to have this on my radar for sure yeah and the the book that the story is pulled from a true crime book i had never heard of this book i was not aware of the case and for some reason and i don't know what this says about me but i find true crime stories involving axe murders like just oddly compelling um (laughs) Please don't send people after me for that. But <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's when you think true crime and all of the methods in which someone may commit a crime or murder someone, mm-hmm. I don't know. Axe murder is not like a spur of the moment thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like that requires some planning. <laughs> that requires you to get your hands on an axe in the first place. And when it's a woman who is the axe murderer, mm-hmm. You know that you know that she that she is very 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 angry. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just it just harkens back to Lizzie Borden mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But yeah, I when I read this news, I'm like, this is compelling on so many levels, and I will probably take some time to unpack that a little just for myself. <laughs> it's like, why is this so compelling for me? But yeah, this I thought that was that was really interesting. Yeah, and it's also set in the suburbs, which I think also adds another layer of like intrigue to it. Just because, you know, you have this idea of like white picket house, like fence houses, and this perf- this idea of perfection, and then someone literally like axes it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I see the appeal. <laughs> yeah, and you, not many people in the suburbs have access to exactly. Axes. <laughs> 
<laughs> quite a mouthful to say, but yeah, so there is that. <laughs> All right. And then real quickly, some really exciting adaptation news. If you were not aware yet, Stacey Abrams' new thriller novel was just published called While Justice Sleeps. It's a political legal thriller that takes you through the back corridors of the Supreme Court. And it's just, it's supposed to be just so entertaining and so excellent. And not surprising, it has been optioned for TV. So we know next to nothing about who's going to star in this or any other details. Um, Stacey Abrams is, uh, looks like she is set to executive produce. But I was not at all surprised to hear that this book had been picked up for an adaptation. Quite frankly, I'm kind of surprised that the news hadn't been announced earlier because this <laughs> book just seems like it was, it was just perfectly primed for an adaptation. But yes, so if you have already read While Justice Sleeps, or if you're looking to get a copy of it sometime soon, you'll definitely want to read it now before the TV show comes out. Yeah, I know. I'm super. I've, I've eyed that book multiple times at my local bookstore. I'm waiting for the perfect moment to go dive in and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and then for our next news item, one that I'm very personally excited about is... Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill are returning for the Enola Holmes sequel on Netflix. And if you haven't seen Enola Holmes already, it's based on the six book series by Nancy Springer. And it features, it tells the story of Sherlock Holmes, rebellious teen sister who is a super sleuth and she's in her own rights and she's often out outsmarting her own brother and Millie Bobby Brown is the one who plays the role of the sister and Henry Cavill is also all set to return as as role of Enola's big brother and he basically plays Sherlock Holmes and in this new adventure that's pretty much all we know we just know uh, and the writers are Harry Bradbeer and writer Jack Thorne the same writers who wrote the script for the first movie there is no release date yet but I am super excited because I absolutely adore Henry Cavill and <laughs> also I'm saying that very slowly as if you know <laughs> and the, if you haven't already seen the Enola Holmes movie it was I thought it was a fantastic one it was so well done and it was entertaining it was so well based and um the series itself the books series itself written by nancy springer has been nominated for multiple edgar awards which we're all about on the show so i am super looking forward to that and if you haven't already i would highly recommend you watch the movie on netflix enola holmes yeah, that was one I haven't gotten to yet, but I will say I love Millie Bobby Brown since Stranger Things came out. She is just, I, I love her as an actress. I think she is just, she is just a gorgeous actress. And yeah, I, I am, I'm really happy that the show was successful enough to get a sequel. So yes. hopefully it'll be just as good as the first one from what everyone has told me. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into the the big discussion for this episode, which, like I mentioned before, was submitted by a listener. And they asked for a list of recommendations for mysteries set in national parks, which we thought was really interesting. We have expanded it a little bit to include other outdoorsy areas, yes. <laughs> just because it's a, it, it might be a little difficult to find books specifically set in 
national parks. And also this allows us to expand outside of the United States. But yeah, this was a, this was, I thought was a really good idea. I know a few years ago, Rincy and I had done some kind, or I can't remember what the exact topic was, but we definitely did, did like a survivalist thriller show. I remember we both had books written by the same author, (laughs) or we both picked (laughs) books by the same author unintentionally. And I remember talking about it and I, and I said, you know, for me, I love outdoorsy areas. I would love to visit more national parks. I, however, am a firm believer in indoor plumbing and (laughs) I don't camp like I might camp if there if there was access to like a covered bathroom facility mm-hmm. and maybe a shower, but I would still prefer to have four very solid walls around me, <laughs> heating and air conditioning, indoor plumbing, and a refrigerator. So I am not what you call outdoorsy. I'll go on a short hike and then come back and take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I am the uh so I am the same way. I am not outdoorsy at all. And even when I do plan a hikes, they're always followed by the discussion of, okay, what food are we taking? And on which point during the hike will we consume this food? So, <laughs> so I am not outdoorsy at all. Actually, it's been a, a point of contention in my marriage because my husband is very outdoorsy. So we've just settled and he pursues his outdoor endeavors by himself now. And I, it, we've sort of taken different paths to that. But uh, yeah, like, I'm not outdoorsy at all of course like I am also a fan of indoor plumbing but also just we've discussed like camp because I just I think that the idea of camping is so fascinating just you know being in the wilderness but also it's very like we're very big chickens my husband and I and we just keep thinking of all the possible things that could go wrong and they somehow always uh, deter us so and then the books that we have lined up they do tell us how things can go very wrong so I don't think they help our case in any way <laughs> but, but yeah like I think just like I was it's a fascinating idea right just escaping the comforts of your everyday life and being out in the open because there is no rule guide to nature like no one follows a set of rules or regulations and there's no way to control the elements of nature there's so much out against that can go against you so very quickly and I think that's what forms part of the appeal of you know what could and then there's so much that's unguarded like even if on a if you're like even if you go on hikes there's so many places where you for like such a good amount of time you don't see anybody walk by and you just can't help but think to yourself huh you know like what could all the things that could go wrong here. So I definitely see the appeal. And in some of the titles, I have experienced the appeal and the the thrill of that. So I'm excited to share some of the picks. All right. Well, before we jump into our picks, I have our second sponsor for the episode. And this episode is sponsored by Thrift Books. And the Thrift Books Reading Rewards Program is now even sweeter than before with three levels and higher value free books. It's simple. Earn points every time you make a purchase from ThriftBooks' wide selection of used and new books and use those points to get free books. The more you read, the more points you earn, and the more points you earn, the more free book rewards you receive. And the higher your tier, the higher value of your free books. It's free to join, so visit thriftbooks.com and sign up for reading rewards today. Oh my goodness, this is the type of rewards program I can get behind. Free to sign up get books, and then get free books for reading books. That is just chef's kiss brilliance. 
I use uh, Thrift Books on a regular basis, and uh, their Reading Rewards program is fantastic. I highly endorse it. It's very quick. You don't even feel the points adding up before they're like, yo, this part of this book purchase is part of your Reading Rewards. And it's, and there, I've had instances where I've just used my reading awards to purchase one book and their shipping cost is also so reasonable and I've just had uh, just had to pay like a dollar for shipping and I've had my reading rewards at my doorstep so I I was very excited to see them sponsoring this show oh just it's gorgeous so again thank you very much to thrift books for sponsoring this episode hopefully you get a lot of new signups <laughs> all right so I'll just go ahead and I'll kick off with my first pick, which was one that I talked about a couple years ago on the show, which was Descent by Tim Johnston. And this book is a good blend of thriller and literary fiction. In fact, I think it actually leans a little bit more towards the literary end of the spectrum rather than thriller. But at the beginning of the book, the Cortland family is in is vacationing in the Rocky Mountains. They're planning a last summer vacation before their daughter begins college. And for Caitlin, their 18-year-old daughter, she is just intrigued by the mountains and she goes for a long run. And one morning, she and her younger brother, Sean, go out for an early morning run, but only Sean returns. And he says that he saw Caitlin get picked up by someone driving a pickup truck, but she hasn't come back. And now the family is thrown into chaos. And what this book does really well is it goes back and forth between the family's perspectives and Caitlin's perspective after she has disappeared in the mountains. And the what it does really well is that it looks at the impact of her disappearance on her family. And one of the reasons why I I say that this book goes more literary is that the book is written, like it looks at what happens to the family members after that immediate incident and what the long-term effects are and how they change as people, how it affects the family, how it affects the parents' marriage. And yeah, it's it's a definitely a slow burn type of thriller, but there are also definitely thriller elements to it because like I said it alternates between Caitlin's perspective where she is in the mountains in the wilderness and her family's perspective. And yeah, it's just it's a really thought-provoking kind of a slow burn type of novel. And I really like this book because it was set in the Rocky Mountains. And while I, I don't go camping, I love Colorado so much. My family, that was our that was our vacation spot for we've been there like 10 times. And it is just such a beautiful and terrifying place. Like I've been in the mountains, I mean, from the safety of a car, like driving up <laughs> the mountain. And I don't I don't go running or biking in the mountains, but it's just the wilderness is so beautiful and so awe-inspiring. You know that looking at that, I'm like, yeah, if I stepped outside this car and decided to like, you know, put up a tent and, you know, build a campfire or something, I'm like, I would 100% be eaten by something. <laughs> um, but it is a very wild location very dangerous very unpredictable and yet so beautiful and so alluring at the same time so i really enjoyed this book and again that is called descent by tim johnston that sounds fantastic and my first pick is 
The Wild Inside. And this is the first in the series Glacier Park Mystery. And it's by Christine Garbo. Our story starts off with a haunting crime uh, that happens when 14-year-old Ted Seasteed and his father are camping in the rugged peaks of Glacier National Park. And Ted's father is attacked by a grizzly bear. Now, 20 years later, uh, Ted has is still suffering from the trauma of that event. And he's become a special agent for the Department of Interior when he gets called back to investigate a crime that mirrors the night that his father was taken away from him. But except this time, it seems the crime is very was very methodical. So the um, victim was tied to a tree before he was allegedly attacked by the bear. So Ted teams up with uh, one of the park officers and he starts exploring what he starts unraveling all these answers, which only lead to more questions about what's like what could have possibly happened and and it's just not the mystery that's at stake here so it's also a a question of you know he's also very much concerned about because to him it seems like it might not have been the bear the bear might have been provoked to attack so that is also very much wondering about what could have made a bear possibly attack in such a methodical way or how to save his life because then it becomes a question of you know let's hunt the bear and put him down so it's a lot of intersecting questions of, you know, how man encroaches the space that is occupied by nature and who actually has the right claim on it. And, and then slowly as the mystery unravels, Ted starts learning more about the night that his father was attacked and he starts uncovering or working through some of his own trauma. And it forms into this psychological suspense almost. It's more, it's less of a traditional mystery, but this intense, like, the bear, the bear never actually shows up, so you never actually witness this third narrative where the bear is present in the story, where the bear never uh, obviously narrates his perspective. But it's this he's this omnipresent being in the center of the story. It it reminded me so much of it's I think it's a 1996 movie, The Ghost of Darkness, where there's this threat of this lion attacking the villagers and. And you know it's a lion, you know it's it's nothing more than a lion, but this. It's such a looming threat and that really opens your eyes to, you know, just how scary nature can be sometimes. There's also a lot of uh, commentary we've been woven in about the setting itself and it's part of a series. So there's a lot more where that comes from. So if that sounds like it's up your alley, it's The Wild Inside by Christine Carbo. I was listening to you talk about it and then, and then when you said the word methodical, I was just then just started thinking about methodical bears and how much trouble we would be in if bears were really that methodical. (laughs) Yep. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on the show before, but as non-outdoorsy as I am, my like big lifetime bucket list item is to see a bear in the wild, preferably from the safety of a car or a (laughs) building, like looking out through the windows and going, ah, there's a bear. Um, so I, I may, I, hopefully if I read this book, it won't put me off of that. Cause I do really want to see a bear in the wild. I've seen lots yeah. of zoo bears, but it's not the same. 
Yeah, zoo bears. Even even zoo bears are so like majestic. Like I know this, uh, the San Francisco Zoo. They replicate a lot of their natural environment, so it's a huge, huge area that the bears have. And then you see them going into the water, taking a shower, and you just you just watch them in awe that they're so cute, but also <laughs> so deadly. So yeah, that's sorry. That was our tangent for the show. <laughs> that was our bear tangent. <laughs> All right. Well. On a less bear-related note, <laughs> the uh, second book that I picked, and I will I will say the my next two books, I did not get a chance to read. This has not been a good week for finding time to read. It's been very, very busy. But these are both books that I have had on my reading list for a while that definitely fit the theme. So I did want I want I did want to talk about them. And the first book is Wicked River by Jenny Milchman, which takes place in the Adirondack Mountains. And the forest there is, is huge. It's like 6 million acres, something like that. And you are following Natalie and Doug, and they have just gotten married, and they are going on their honeymoon camping in the Adirondacks, which, again, I cannot imagine a worse way to spend a honeymoon, to be perfectly honest. In the book, it kind of looks like Natalie may not have had much of a say in that decision. That might that might have been Doug's doing. They go to the Adirondacks thinking like, okay, they're going to start their marriage with this big adventure, just the, just the two of them on their own. But they realize that they are not the only ones in the forest. There's, there's a lot of land. There are a lot of places to camp, to hide, to get into trouble. And... Then they come across a dead body in the forest. And then they have to, you know, start thinking about, okay, it's less about, okay, making this their honeymoon and becomes much more of a survival story. What's cool about this book that a lot of readers have pointed to is that it is a survival thriller because they are out in the middle of the wilderness with a dead body and whatever or whoever killed that that person is still around. But there is also definitely a psychological element to it because, you know, Natalie and Doug, they're newlyweds and there may be some issues, some underlying issues in that, okay, Doug was the one who picked this. How much of a say does Natalie have in these types of decisions? Is this going to be an issue for their marriage going forward? And I think that's another reason why wilderness or survival thrillers work so well is that they really kind of strip everything away and force you to confront like yourself or whoever the, uh, the few other people you're with. And it really kind of like pulls away everyone's defenses and it just kind of lays everything bare. And you may not always like what you see. For me, the classic example is the Blair Witch Project. Like you've got, you've got three <laughs> dumb teenagers and I'm sorry, they're dumb, uh, but they they're are. out in the woods and everything, all of the trappings of civilization are just kind of stripped away and they're left with, you know, a map and they're increasingly, they're increasing awareness that they are lost. They don't know what they're doing and it just kind of spirals downward from there. So, yeah, so this book sounds like a really interesting blend of that type of psychological thriller and survival thriller, and it sounds really interesting, and so I hopefully will be able to get to this book soon. And again, it is Wicked River by Jenny Milchman. 
All right. And my next pick is just as a tangent, the Blair Witch Product teenagers were kind of dumb. And it it always seems like if I was lost in the woods, that's how I would be acting. And it would not have a lot to do with ghosts, but more to do with my bad directional skills. (laughs) But anyhow, um, my next pick is, uh, so this is a series and it started way back in 1990s. And the first book is Track of the Cat by Nevada Barr. And it introduces us to the park ranger, Anna Pigeon. And each book in this series then takes place at a different national park. And I have not read the series yet, but it sounds so fantastic. And I was um, just looking up the reviews for the audiobook. And the audiobook is read by Barbara Rosenblatt. And it seems like she has delivered, like she delivers the series and she does an amazing job at it. So I know that's something for sure I'm going to add to my audiobook library. So the first book is set in the remote backcountry of West Texas and our park ranger, Anna Pigeon. Her fellow park ranger, Sheila Jury, is mysteriously killed by a mountain lion. But the deep claw marks Anna finds across Jury's throat and the paw prints surrounding the body are too perfect to be real. So it seems like my picks have this pattern of where animals apparently are have turned very methodical and now are planning (laughs) revenge on humans. But it is what it is. Along with this backstory, you also learn a lot about Anna as a character and how, uh, what has brought her and you live through some of her memories, primarily because it is the first in the series, but it also tackles a lot of questions about, you know, taking care of our national parks. What does it mean to be respectful of the other creatures that occupy the space in national parks? And I don't mean ghosts or goblins. I just mean like, you know, animals or just being respectful to plants in general, just being respectful that, you know, it is a shared land. And But it's also a very intense mystery with a lot of characters. It's a very wide vast of characters. There's a lot of suspense and it's only amplified by the fact that it's out in the open. So anything goes, right? So for all we know, a lion could have attacked her fellow Ripark Ranger. So there's this huge possibility of dead ends, but then there's also a huge possibility of, you know, the worst case scenario is really scary. And I haven't read this yet, but all the reviews have only pointed to how fantastic this, a fantastic a series it is. And I'm excited to explore and see what uh, national parks I get to travel with. So the first book in the series is Track of the Cat by Nevada Barr. Yeah, that actually is a book that I did read a while ago. So I don't remember specific details, but I think you hit on all of the points that make it such a successful series. And yeah, if you're looking for a book that really looks at the landscape and the idea of national parks and everything, all of our responsibilities to that, that's a really good one to to do. And like you said, it's a series. So if you like the first one, you've got a ton of books <laughs> to jump into. All right. And then real quickly, my last pick is bringing it full circle. I've got another literary thriller <laughs> that does have a bear in it. <laughs> and that is Bearskin by James A. McLaughlin. And this book follows Rice Moore, who has found a job protecting a remote forest preserve in the in Appalachia in Virginia. His main responsibilities include tracking wildlife, refurbishing cabins. It's very solitary work, which is great because he is trying to hide away from the Mexican drug cartels that he betrayed back in Arizona. But then Rice finds the carcass of a bear killed on the grounds. And all of a sudden, the solitude he's been looking for is suddenly at risk. 
He watches as more bears are killed on the preserve and his obsession with catching the poachers escalates, leading to hostile altercations with locals and law enforcement and his employers. And ultimately, he teams up with his predecessor, who's a scientist who hopes to continue her research on the preserve. And Rice puts a plan into action that could expose the poachers, but it also risks revealing his own whereabouts to the people that he was running away from in Arizona in the first place. Again, this is a book that I have not yet had a chance to read, but it has been on my reading list for a long time. And readers who have picked this book up have said that this is the type of book that will just stick with you. And, you know, it has plot twists and stuff, but it's a slow burn thriller and it alternates between, you know, these slower paced areas with more action thriller sequences. And they ultimately what you're left with is a story that you just cannot stop thinking about. And I mean, if there's a mark of a quality book, it's the fe- it's the book that you ca- that you finish reading it and you are still thinking about days and weeks later. So I, again, am really hopeful that I will have a chance to pick up this book soon. It is Bearskin by James A. McLaughlin. We're all about the bears. (laughs) (laughs) And this time it's not a bear killing people. The poor bears are being killed. Oh, no. My next pick is one that I have talked. uh, I spoke about this, I think, a few episodes back. So I'm just going to keep it super short. But I did want to mention it here. Just because it features the setting of the Smoky Mountains, super like it's a very the setting plays a very big role in it, and it is even as we breathe by Annette Sonu Clapsaddle, and it tells us the story of Kauni Sequoia who lives on the reservation and who wants to escape and make a life for himself, and hope will help him improve the life of his community back at the reservation as well as just his life in general. And so he travels to the Western, uh, to this internment camp that has been turned into this uh, residence for the diplomats that live there. And he's exploring the mount- the Western uh, mountains of North Carolina. He's having, he's, you know, going through all the things you go through when you're coming of age. And suddenly a diplomat's daughter goes missing and everyone starts uh, pointing fingers at County. So, this is a very multi-layered story. It has a huge aspects of historical fiction. It has that layer of suspense that is very, very slow burn. It's very character focused. The landscape is a very huge character in it. So it's a very well-rounded book that I think appeal will appeal to so many people who like literary books, who like history books. And it's it's a fantastic one. So it's Even As We Breathe by Annette Sonu Clapsaddle. All right. And then just really, really quickly, we've got just a few honorary mentions for books that we have talked about so much that we won't go into plot descriptions. But if you're looking for other wilderness-focused books, a few other books that we have read and talked about at length and loved, Force of Nature by Jane Harper, Beneath the Mountain by Luca D'Andrea, and The Hunger by Alma Katsu, which is a historical look at wilderness survival, which is even more difficult than modern wilderness survival, and (laughs) it has a supernatural twist to it. So yeah, there are scores of books (laughs) set in the wilderness to make you never want to go camping again. (laughs) There's maybe there's a good reason we don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like I think there's a reason why we invented houses. <laughs> 
And then I think what I will do for our listeners, Katie, is that I will insert the uh, link of the episodes in the show notes. So if you are interested in hearing more about these books, you can always, you know, tune into those episodes. But the other one I wanted to mention that I mentioned in two or three episodes ago and that uh, Katie also mentioned it's Beneath the Mountain. And this one is not set in the U.S. and it's actually set in the Italian Dolomites. Am I correct, Katie? Yes, you are correct. Yes. So, and it has um, the reason I wanted to mention this here is because it ha- it features a lot of their parks. I'm not sure if they qualify as national parks, but it's very much you know man against nature and trying to decide for yourself which of the two is more terrifying. So, uh, and I'm a little obsessed with that book. So I try to plug it in anywhere I can. So um, it's a fantastic one. And that's Beneath the Mountain by Luca D'Andrea. And it's also available in US under The Mountain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that book so much. That's, <laughs> that's a book that I could not stop thinking about after I finished listening to it. So, so good. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, we're, we're going to uh, retreat back to our, you know, comfortable air conditioned houses. But if you have any other nature, national park survivalist mysteries and thrillers that we did not talk about that you think are really excellent, please let us know. It's a fun way for us to experience the outdoors without actually having to go outdoors. Yes. <laughs> Win-win for everyone. While still staying married. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump really quickly into new releases. We've got a couple of books coming out next week that we are super excited about. And Nazar, I will let you kick it off because I know you are really excited about this book. Yay! Uh, So this book is actually one that has been out for a while. But it is, it went out of print and its availability was very sparse. So I'm ex- it's getting a reprint and it is being released in paperback itself. So it's, I know a lot of people prefer paperbacks over hardbacks anyway, just because of, you know, just how easier it is to read paperbacks. But it's already coming out in paperback. It's going to be, it's getting a reprint and I'm super excited about it. So it is, and it is a work in translation. So it's The Decagon House Murders by Yukito Ayatsu. And this comes out May 25th. And this is for anyone who enjoys Agatha Christie, who enjoys Dorothy L. Sayers, who enjoys the more contemporary mysteries like the IQ books by Joe I, maybe the even the Walter Mosley books. Anyone who's ever had anything to do with mysteries and you know just how they're formulated, they need to have this on their radar, especially for those who have enjoyed and then there were none by Agatha Christie. So um, this is when what happens is they're members of a university mystery club decide to visit an island, which was the site of a grisly unsolved mu- multiple murders the year before. They're looking forward to investigating the crime, uh, putting their passion for solving mysteries to practical use, because that's such a good idea. But before long, there is a fresh murder, and soon the club members realize they're being picked off one by one. And the remaining sleuths will have to use all of their murder mystery expertise to find the killer before they become one of the victims. And... It's like I said, this is a, uh, especially if you've loved And Then There Were None and all of its following retellings, but just anyone who in, enjoys like a slow, a mystery that has its pieces put together slowly together and then do a big climax, a big reveal. This is one that you should absolutely, absolutely have on your radar. So it's The Decagon House Murders by Yukitu Ayatsuji. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Oh, I'm so excited. 
Okay, and then my pick um, also comes out on May 25th, and that is Version Zero by David Yoon. And this is a kind of slightly futuristic technological thriller. And the main character's name is Max, who is a data whiz at the social media company Ren. And he has gotten a firsthand glimpse of the dark side of big tech. When he questions what his company does with the data that they collect, he is fired and then blackballed across Silicon Valley. So Max has time on his hands and revenge on his mind. And so he and his longtime friend, Akiko, who is also secretly the love of his life, they decide to get even by rebooting the internet. You know, like you do. (laughs) And because they know that in order to fix things, sometimes you have to break them. But when they join forces with a reclusive tech baron, they learn that breaking things can have unintended and catastrophic consequences. You know, like rebooting the internet. (laughs) You don't say. So... If you're looking for a thriller that kind of looks at the perils of living in a virtual world and how big and how dangerous social media and technology can be, you will definitely want to pick this up again. It's called Version Zero by David Yoon, and it is out on May 25th. Perfect. And with the new releases, that is our show. Uh, Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zeng, for always making us sound great. We are so grateful for the work you do, Jen. For show notes, you can head over to bookride.com slash listen. For more book recommendations, bookish goodness, head over to bookride.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen, or just search Bookriot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or any show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookride.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Nasra, on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Mm